is Bloomberg Surveillance. We have to get back to a point where we understand and believe that interest rates going up is actually good for the economy and good for the stock market. Over long periods of time, these smaller banks can and do deliver for their shareholders if they're managed well. You can get a better portfolio if you find a lot of attractive, idiosyncratic opportunities, and we think this is a pretty good environment for that. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKeon, Tom Keen. Friday, 9 a.m. We're thrilled you're with us from New York, Washington, Boston, San Francisco. Good morning on Sirius XM Channel 119 across the nation. Thrilled you're with us around the world. Particularly good morning and good evening uh, in Asia as you look forward uh, to a weekend. Oil. Many of the bets, Paul Siana of Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, with this, I believe it was earlier in the week, making a call on weaker oil from here. We'll address that uh, here uh, in a bit. Lots going on this morning. And, you know, sort of a quiet three days, and it has picked up here, particularly with the Fed speak. Bill Dodley um, yesterday uh, uh, showing the idea of June, 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 and other people pushing back. Vincent Reinhardt, I thought was quite good, was standish on that. Our Forex brief this morning, the dynamics of the foreign exchange market, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex, IBKR.com slash Forex. I featured yen this week, weaker yen, 110. 106789 110.32. Weaker yen, weaker this morning. Dollar churning above 95 on DXY. That's not record dollar, recent record dollar, however you want to phrase it, but elevated, I would call the dollar elevated. And looking at Renminbi uh, this morning, Michael, what have you read on Renminbi uh, this week? It's just grinding weaker, nowhere near. I think of David Wu at Bank of America, Maryland, talking about seven Along with others, we're nowhere near a seven no, they, on Yuan, are we? They're they're in reactionary mode right now, uh, yeah. re- reacting to the Fed and other things. Yeah. They're trying to keep uh, the the basket of currencies as their primary as the primary focus of the FX market, and uh, they're adjusting to try right. to keep that level. And they sometimes have to move the dollar around. Let's get reactionary with David Wilson. A look back, Mister Wilson. What a week it's been in retail. Terrible. Well, unless you're Walmart. Or Home Depot. Or Lowe's. Or Lowe's. I mean, Lowe's got rewarded more than Home Depot did. But I have a Chenier Energy update for you. Oh, reactionary. I know you're big on that company. And, uh, you know, U.S. regulators forecast its natural gas export capacity will reach 1 billion cubic feet a day by the end of the summer. That's uh, up from the current 600 million cubic feet. So far, Chenier has shipped a total of 26 billion cubic feet of liquefied natural gas, otherwise known as LNG, in eight cargoes. Put that all together and the stock's up 3% in early trading. So about another stock that's up, Applied Materials, with a gain of 7.5%. The largest maker of chip production machinery expects fiscal third quarter sales to beat analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Demand for the company's gear has surged as chip makers upgrade production technology. Okay, that's the good news. Yahoo! 
is down 4.5%, the most active stock in early trading. Bids for the web portal's main business may be lower than an earlier range, mm. according to the Wall Street Journal. People familiar with the matter said Verizon and others are expected to offer $2 billion to $3 yeah, billion. We talked with uh, Peter Tag of Citigroup today, who's representing bidders, and he chose his words carefully, David, as you know he would. But uh, Mr. Tag made clear that there's an ongoing dialogue and quite a separation between the many bidders and the one seller. It was a delicate conversation. I can imagine. You know who's having delicate conversations today? People at Deer. That stock's down 2%. True. The world's biggest maker of farm equipment cut its fiscal year profit forecast to reflect falling crop prices. On the positive side, though, Deer said sales will drop less than the company predicted in February. Campbell Soup down 4.5%. Sales dropped for the sixth straight quarter, which analysts weren't expecting. Company citing a weaker U.S. soup season, among other things. And you mentioned retailing. We've got a couple of more disappointments. <clears throat> Raw Store is one of them. That stock's down 6%. The off-price apparel yeah. chains. Uh, first quarter sales coming up short of estimates. One more. And uh, Foot Locker. Uh, down 4%. The Athletic Wear Retailers' yeah. first quarter sales at stores open more yeah. than rose. Less than analysts we're looking for. Of course, the other side of that, rival Dick Sporting Goods up 2%. The stock upgraded the, at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. The highlight of my week was you whispering in my ear as you walked out of the studio on Tuesday, Tom, buy the puts on Walmart. I want to thank you for that recommendation. <laughs> I am a journalist. I am not a stock Very analyst. Good. As I tell many, many people who send me emails... No, no, stop loss, stop loss. Wilson will uh, be with us on Bloomberg Radio. As I day. always say, my, my investment <laughs> advice is worth what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> David Wilson with wonderful perspective on the back and forth of the equity market. Um, I've really been looking forward to this. Mr. Glickman of Standard and Poor's looks at the oil business and he does this with an extinguished uh, view over many uh, years of going back and forth on oil. Stuart, where do we even start with oil? I mean, you've got this star, that star, and the other star. Is your business normal now when you look at it? Uh, it's... <laughs> I think I think normal has been um, redefined for oil. It seems like any day where stocks are moving less than 5% feels like a normal day now. It used to be um, less than, call it 2% was a normal move. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's really volatile yeah. times and you have to have kind of an iron stomach. Is the balance sheet adjustment over? We had interviews a year and a half ago which said the middle of 16, they'd be through that. I don't buy it for a minute. Where are we on balance sheet, uh, uh recalibration? No, we're not, I don't think we're close yet. I think there's, I think there's a lot of companies that have persisted uh, in uh, among the producers uh, that have persisted so far because they've had hedges protecting them while they've been waiting for for crude prices to get back to a you know a, a more tolerable number and we're not there yet and you know we've started to see more of these chapter 11 filings and I think we're still there's there's going to be more of those to come probably well we're at 48 for West Texas and Brent uh, yep. is that enough to get some action restarted or how high would it have to go I think I think the number, kind of the line in the sand that you, you should be looking for is maybe sixty dollars a barrel. I think around sixty dollars. There's a lot of U.S. shale plays that make economic sense. Uh, below sixty, you start to get into problems where there are some plays that just aren't driving economic returns. Do we need the but, shale? Do we need shale back to, for for these oil companies to start making money again and, and stop contracting? Yeah. So it's it's. It's the shale that drove that massive um, boom in production in the U.S. 
And it's those plays that, you know, um, a lot of these companies have had to pull back on their on their drilling and their and their CapEx spend. Well, uh, which of them is likely to recover soonest? Which one has a, has has the least uh, bad outlook going forward? Well, I mean, we, we've been kind of defensive on energy for a while, and I think we're we're largely looking at um, some of the names that are, are you know larger cap um, E and P's that. A, you know, don't don't run cash flow deficits nearly to the same degree that some of the smaller ones do, and then secondly, they also don't have this. They don't have anywhere the same kind of debt leverage that the smaller names do. So, you know, you have a name like, you know, Occidental Petroleum, for example, which is a it's a pretty large name. It's got a good chemicals business. Um, it has very very low leverage, and so I think if if crude prices recover. Um, that's a name that yeah. I think um, is, 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 is better positioned than most to, 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 to do better. What percentage of the price move on oil, a given oil stock in the next three, four, five years, is just simply a function of the oil price, of gaming? Here's where we think the terminal value is out four mm-hmm. or five years. Here's our bet. That's got to be the massive factor, right? You know, it's, 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 obviously it's important, but there's a whole bunch of other factors that matter too. Uh, service cost inflation is a huge deal. Um, you've got currency, which is, which has a big impact. Um, and then of course you've got, you know, you've got geopolitics, which is, I guess, I guess that gets embedded in the oil price too. But you're right. I mean, oil price is, is going to be the dominant factor. Do you have a single best buy? Um, I don't have any strong buys or five stars. You don't have a five star buy. Yeah. Not yeah. not in the producers. I do have one. I have one five stars name across the entire oil patch, which right. is uh, it's a midstream name, Magellan Midstream Partners ticker MMP, um, and that's a name that I think is you know it's it's it flourishes on the um, the boom in refined products, and we you know we we we've seen inventories of crude oil go up to crazy high levels, the highest we've had since 1930. Yeah. And that has led to a boom in, in product inventories. And what Magellan does is a lot of movement of refined products and um, and, and storage of refined products. And to be clear, it's not an MLP, even though it's got a 4.5% dividend with 15% dividend growth five years back. That's right. pretty good. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a reasonably well-run company, and it's it's actually in a perverse way you don't want a company with a massive uh, yield because that raises questions about how sustainable it is. Well, Stuart Glickman, this is very good. We're going to come back and go downstream with Mr. Glickman of uh, Standard and Poor's Tulsa, Oklahoma, Magellan MMP. 1,600 employees. We say good morning to all listening in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mike, well, we're going to come back. Alan Blinder will join us uh, here in a bit. That's an important conversation with the former vice chairman of the Fed. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Egyptian authorities say they found plane parts and belongings from the missing Egypt Air Flight 804. Egyptian military ships and aircraft found the items about 180 miles north of Alexandria in the Mediterranean Sea. Authorities say they also found body parts. The Airbus A320 was flying from Paris to Cairo with 66 people on board. Donald Trump will speak today before the National Rifle Association's annual conference. The presumptive Republican presidential nominee will speak at the convention in Louisville, Kentucky. The former political organizer for the NRA says Trump has been all over the map on the Second Amendment. 
but a lot of the NRA's membership is pro-Trump. Hillary Clinton says Donald Trump is not qualified to be president. She gave her comments during a CNN interview. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And Michael, thanks so much. Futures advance up 7, Dow futures up 58. The VIX trading before the opening, 16.07. The VIX doing better this morning. We're doing better, too, with Stuart Glickman of S&P. Market Drivers brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce Fenner and Smith Incorporated. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are higher, indicating the S&P 500 will pair a fourth weekly decline as investors await a report on the housing market for signs of the strength of the economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 5.5 points. Dow E-mini futures up 44. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 22. The DAX in Germany is up 9 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.86 percent. NYMEX crude oil little change down 2 cents to 40. 14 a barrel. Comex Gold is up three tenths percent or three dollars eighty cents at twelve fifty eight fifty an ounce. The euro a dollar twelve twenty seven. The yen one ten point four zero. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow. We are um, discussing the uh, the oil industry outlook with oil prices moving higher. At the end of the week, we're looking at forty eight dollars for both uh, West Texas and Brent, closing in on fifty. However. Um, that's not enough, uh, according to Stuart Glickman. Uh, he's uh, with uh, S&P Capital IQ and suggesting that uh, we need to get to around 60 or so. Uh, Tom was looking at the stars you have on the various companies, and it put me in mind, Tom, of uh, of, a, of certain of a company called the Texas Fuel Company was the original name of it, founded in 1901, went on to. Uh, become better known as Texaco. You can trust your car to the man who has the star. So if you're looking for a star, uh, you might want to look at Texaco. But that uh, made me uh, think about, um, because Texaco is known for its uh, downstream operations, Stuart, uh, how downstream is doing at this point. And if the companies like um, like ExxonMobil or Chevron with uh, Texaco uh, are better positioned because people are still going to buy gasoline, uh, even if uh, the price goes down, uh, you, you know, your input price is lower. Yeah, uh, downstream has really been the saving grace for, for a bunch of the integrateds in the, in the last several quarters because, you know, even though upstream's been generating losses, refining has, has kind of helped blunt those losses or in, in Exxon's case actually helped deliver an, an overall profit. So I think, I think firms like, um, Conoco and Marathon, which divested their downstream operations several years ago, are probably looking wistfully at those downstream um, operations now and thinking, geez, if we just kept those, we, we, <laughs> we'd probably be making money. Um, the, the margins for downstream are not as good as they had been last year, and I think it's a reflection of how much excess supply of refined products is now kind of 
pouring into the marketplace. But they're still they're still profitable. They're still making money. It's just not quite as good as as what it was like in in 2014 and especially in 2015. Does I'm, I'm thinking of this because I'm looking at Texco and I'm thinking of the old jingle. Um, does does brand matter downstream anymore? Do drivers care? I mean, it used to be. You know, a handful of names we all knew were on the gas stations. Now you get everybody from the Russians with Luke Oil, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the to the bargain brands. Uh, or do people just look at the price? I, I think it's really just price driven. I think you, you 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 go to those corners where you've got three gas stations all at the same location, and they're they're maybe you know a cent different per gallon um, relative to each other. I, I I really don't think that 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 brand has much of an influence now. You know, I look, Stuart, it, it, all of this and downstream and that, and uh, it, it goes to that. I think it's on CFA Level 4, uh, not in my backyard economics. Give us an update on the ability to make new technology downstream. Can you actually go out and build something? Uh, it would be extremely yeah. difficult and nigh impossible to, to build any kind of what they call a greenfield plant, starting with, you know, just sort, just sort of breaking ground on a, on a, on an open piece of earth and, and trying to build a new refinery because nobody wants one, like you said, in their backyard. What you can do is you can do what are called brownfield expansions where you're taking an existing plant and adding to it. And in, in some cases it might be, um, tweaking the operations of the refinery yeah. so that you can, you can, turn around and generate more gasoline than diesel because gasoline right now is preferred to diesel. So you can do little operations like that. You can do, you can add an, uh, a condensate splitter so that you can take some of this, these large volumes of, for example, Eagleford condensate and turn that into, um, um, in, into refined products that you and I can use. So those are, those are smaller projects. Um, and, and, and we've already seen refineries do a lot of those, and I think there's going to be more to come. Is there a technological revolution going on in downstream that will make it as uh, jaw-dropping as what we saw upstream with fracking and such? Well, that's tough. That, that's a, it's a great question, and it's tough to answer. And, you know, you have to keep in mind, this is from an industry that 10 years ago, if you would ask them, is there any way that the U.S., can, can stem the tide of this dwindling production in the U.S., I think everybody would have told you no. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't something that was really on the radar. I, I don't think that um, technological advances downstream are going to be uh, game-changing, um, you know, despite that context. Um, I do think that mm-hmm. there's going to be an awful lot of technological innovation in alternative energy, and I think that's going to be a major okay. driver over the next 10, 20 years. Stuart, thank you so much. Stuart Glickman with Standard & Poor's on oil upstream and downstream as well. Michael, a very important interview coming up. The backdrop of this is where our nation is, where our monetary policy is, but but also just a real question about where the underpinnings of theory are, given negative interest rates and such. It's always interesting with uh, the gentleman from Princeton. Alan Blinder will be with us in just a moment. I got a uh, CFA problem for you here. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the 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 math. Since we're doing Math Friday, yes, please. Uh, the folks at five thirty eight dot com uh, have noted that uh, Papa John's Pizza is uh, given away in like twenty two ballparks around the country, and they have you, you t- either team has to win or your team has to score a certain number of runs. Mm-hmm. They've put statistics to work here and figured out where you are most likely to get a free pizza. 
Uh, I please think, quickly. I think that is a, is a problem that Taylor Riggs and the others studying for CFA should put their minds to. But St. Louis, all you have to do is win, and the Cardinals are good enough that oh. you have a 52.9% chance of winning. Very good. The Atlanta Braves, not only are, are they a terrible team, but the team has to score six runs to get a free piece. No. You only have a 7.7% right. chance of getting it. Here in New York, <clears throat> 14.4% at the Yankee Stadium. Okay, well, there it is. I'm glad you mentioned Texaco and the Texaco Star. We say good morning to all in Nashville. Vince Melamed with one of the great songs for Trisha Yearwood. Here she is, Under the Star. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.